Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Notes from the Ivy League. I hope you had a phenomenal week. And I'm your host, Andrew Williams, and I'm here with Karen, a grad of Washington and Lee University and a current medical student. So, Karen, we've never really met, but could you share your story with your listeners a little bit more? Sure, Andrew. Um, So, hello, everyone. Uh, Thank you for having me here, Andrew. I think it's a privilege uh, to share my story with other people so that, you know, we could all learn and hopefully... um, just overcome some of the obstacles that come along the way. Let's see. So uh, my name is Karen. I grew up in Virginia, in the northern part of Virginia, and I went to school at Washington and Lee University. Uh, Let's see there. I majored in in, uh, biochemistry, and I got a BS in chemistry. And after that, I decided to go to medical school in Chicago. Um, All of this while being undocumented. um, And I actually applied to college. Without DACA, I don't know if your listeners know what DACA is, but it's the Deferred Action for Childhood Arrivals. Uh, So it's a program that President Obama started so that people who didn't have papers and were brought here as children, uh, less than 16 years old, could essentially get a Social Security card, uh, work permit, driver's license, and just a lot of benefits that had been missing. And some of those benefits allowed you to uh, get into college or just be a, be a more competitive applicant because you had more access to a lot of resources that weren't present there before. Um, so that was in, that was, I applied to, to college without uh, DACA that was like non-existent. Uh, but once I was in college, I was able to get DACA and uh, continue on. Awesome. And uh, just for clarification, is DACA the Dreamers program? Yeah, it's, uh-huh. it's kind of referred to as a Dreamers gotcha. program. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I think just, the main, the big part of it is that it's temporary. Mm-hmm. So it's only two years at a time as of today. Um, so it's, it's not a, it's not like a dream act where, you know, there's a path to citizenship or there's an end goal. It's kind of just a temporary measure. Gotcha. So could you, you know, whatever you feel comfortable sharing, could you, could you talk more about um, your experience getting to college and even the, even thinking about applying to college? Oh, of course. Yeah. Um, so my both of my parents actually went to college in Bolivia and to them, education was always really important. So when it came down to applying for college, uh, I knew that there was something that I wanted and something that was important to me and my family. Uh, what I didn't know was that it wasn't free in the United States, uh, which I think nobody in my family knew. Uh, so when I heard that, oh, you know, it's like, uh, thousands of dollars to attend community college and even more to go to a four-year school, I knew that I kind of had to work a little harder than other people. Um, so we, my parents realized that it wasn't free and we didn't really, we weren't really sure what to do. Um, and com- I knew people who didn't have papers and had gone to community college. So that was my first avenue and um, my grades were pretty good. So I thought, oh, you know, maybe I'll, I'll go to community college or like um, the in-town uh, university. We'll see how it goes. Mm-hmm. And it was really frustrating because I'd worked so hard thinking that, oh, you know, when you, if you get good grades, then you're going to get you're a competitive applicant. Uh, if you get good uh, scores on the SAT, then like you don't have to worry about it. Mm-hmm. Um, but and when it came to junior year, I was like, oh, my gosh. So I actually met with one of my counselors. And she, uh, she told me that she was, I was a first undocumented student that had told her they wanted to go to college. And, you know, I explained to her what being undocumented was. And she told me she didn't really know what to do. And this person was very, uh, very old. You know, she had been working there for, I mean, at least 30 years. So I think um, 
part of it, she was missing some information maybe because she, you know, she told me, oh, maybe community college would be like the first thing you want to do. And we didn't actually discuss any other plan besides that. Mm -hmm. Um, But uh, another counselor actually, uh, he referred me to this program. He just pulled me out of class this one day and he said, you know, I, I was emailed this pamphlet about this uh, like college prep program for uh, Hispanics or Latinos. And I think it'd be really good for you if just uh, to meet other people who are like you uh, when I go to college, because uh, this uh, this program had like a, a little session for undocumented students also. Um, so I went there the summer uh, during the summer. It was like ten dollars. And I was like, I can't believe it. It's so cheap. <laughs> I went there and uh, they had all these resources and uh, they had all these people that were so excited to get Latinos and Hispanics to go to college. Um, And there I actually met one of my mentors. She uh, was also undocumented and she had gone to college. And this was the first person that I'd ever met who didn't have papers and had managed to go to college to a four year institution. so I, you know, quickly jot, jotted down her email and we like exchanged some information after that. She was very nice to me and managed to like read some of my essays and give me tips on what schools to apply to, uh, who would even read my application or who even knew what uh, being undocumented was and kind of like the, the challenges that come with that. Mm-hmm. She was a big resource. Um, unfortunately, she graduated uh, this uh, this this mentor that I had, she ended up graduating from college uh, first in her class, but because there was no program like DACA or any, any way to, for her to work, she ended up going back to her home country. Mm-hmm. And I mean, from what I heard, she's doing great there, but that's just, I think it's just one example of how someone that was, uh, that worked so hard decided to just call it quits in the States and left because she did not see a future here using her degree. Um, but uh, I guess back to my college application. Um, after I met her, you know, she she guided me through a lot, but I still didn't really know. So I think at this point, I knew that people would be able to read my application, um, but not really finance it. So mm-hmm. I wasn't really sure how to pay for it. And one of the things that um, I had seen in my school was this program called QuestBridge. And there are these just little certificates that QuestBridge had sent, um, like teachers who had written previous recommendations for QuestBridge. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not sure if you know what QuestBridge is, Andrew. Oh, yes. I, I actually did QuestBridge uh, to get to school, yeah. Oh, perfect. So, you know, it's like a program that, like, has its own separate application that highlights some of the challenges uh, that, like, minority students face or low-income students face. It's, it's mostly aimed at, like, high-achieving low-income students. Mm-hmm. And they have a lot of great schools that they work with. Uh, so I, I realized that, you know, something that was really important to me was the challenge of being undocumented. And what that meant was, you know, I couldn't drive, I couldn't apply to certain jobs, I couldn't do like uh, certain, I couldn't like pursue certain research opportunities, uh, because like some of them just required a social security number mm-hmm. because of the funding or something. Um, so I talked about that and like how some of my, my grades reflected, you know, one part of me, but like my lack of activities and X, Y, Z really, I couldn't do them because no matter how hard I looked, you know, I got through the first stage, the second stage, and then the social security number, like the, someone called me about that and I had to tell them, you know, I don't have one. And then kind of things stopped. Mm-hmm. Oh, uh, man. So good. I, Oh no. So I applied to QuestBridge and I told them all about like being undocumented. And this was like the first time that I told somebody 
in, in like a written application format that, oh, you know, this is like what it feels like and this is how it affects my life. And I realized that it kind of made me a really different applicant because none of my friends, uh, at least I didn't know anybody at my school that was undocumented who, you know, wanted to go to college and wanted to like really pursue uh, kind of like an ambitious career like medicine. Mm-hmm. Um, so I once I got QuestBridge and, you know, I felt like that was a validating point that my application did matter and that there were organizations out there that were willing to support me. Um, so QuestBridge uh, has two steps and you can become a finalist and then you can be a match, a match person. Uh, that means that if you're a finalist, you kind of like move on to the next round and you have that application and you have a finalist status so they can send your application to all these schools that you rank. Uh, so I was not a match, but I was a finalist. And that's how I actually ended up uh, finding my undergrad, my alma mater, Washington and Lee. Um, I had never heard of this school, even though it was in mm-hmm. Virginia. I think part of that was just exposure. Uh, I mean, it was like a very expensive, private, small school in Southern Virginia. So nobody really talked about it where I was, where I was from. Um, I, I think I was the first one in like many years to even go there or to even apply. Okay. But I ended up getting a, a very hefty scholarship to go. So that's, that was, I was between that school and another school in California and, you know, between family and being so important to me and the financial support that they provided, it was kind of like, okay, well, I love it. And I think they're providing a great financial support, so I should go there. And my parents, when we visited, they loved it too. So we ended up going there for college. Okay. Um, And then I just want to go back a little bit because, like, my exposure to, um, like, students and graduates who are undocumented, like, I I just don't know much about it. So, like, can you, I guess, can you talk more about the struggles you faced, um, like, I guess institutionally as an undocumented student. Um, and then if you also have any advice for those students that are out there right now, or if you have advice for even like counselors or teachers that are working with uh, these students. Sure. Um, I guess, so to address your first question about some of the challenges mm-hmm. that I faced, uh, let's see. Uh, so I think... I wasn't really aware of what being documented was uh, during like elementary school or middle school. It really came down to uh, like beginning of high school when everybody's starting to talk about driver's ed. And that is the first thing that kind of sets you apart because you can't drive, you know, you can't even take the, at where I was from, you couldn't even take the class, like the manual mm-hmm. class because you didn't have a permit. So everybody around me is like, oh my gosh, you know, we're going to drive, like we're going to learn how to drive. I'm so excited. And meanwhile, I'm just like making up excuses as to why I couldn't drive. You know, I, you know, numerous times I was like, oh, I'm afraid or, oh, my parents like don't trust me with a car yet or something. Mm-hmm. But the reality was that I wasn't allowed to uh, by the government. So that was one of the first things. And I think that that was like the root of a lot of problems <laughs> mm-hmm. because if I couldn't drive, I couldn't uh, stay after school for sports. Um, I went to a different, like um, the school I went to for high school, it was like, uh, had a special program. So it wasn't my assigned school. And it was, I think it was really far. It was like maybe 30, 30, 30, 45 minutes away from my house. So um, I couldn't really stay after school because my parents worked 
And, you know, when it came down to sports, there was like one activity bus and it was far away from home anyway. So um, my friends who were able to drive were like doing all these things that I couldn't do because I didn't have the transportation. Um, that was one thing. And then another thing was jobs, uh, looking for jobs, you know, people to b- were building up their resume uh, and also savings account to go to college and pay for those application fees. And, you know, I couldn't work because I didn't have a social security number. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, I think I realized that applying for internships also required a, a social security number when I started um, kind of like paying attention to STEM fields. Mm-hmm. And there are a lot of programs for high school students to go to and like shadow or do like a small research project with uh, like a local university. Um, or I remember one of them that I applied to was like specifically for mm-hmm. medicine. Um, so it like it allowed students to kind of like shadow doctors and uh, kind of like go through the what it's like to go to medical school and that was something I was very interested in so I applied and I remember like getting through all these different phases of the application process and then at the end I'm like oh I got a letter saying like you need a social security number and I'm like oh my gosh I don't have one so that's that was kind of like Oh, it, it hurt a lot because I'd really been pursuing this program and at the end of the day, I couldn't do it. Um, and I think those are the things that were, that were really hard for me to accept as a high school student mm-hmm. and kind of like th- those are things that I dealt with. And I was like, oh, you know, I don't know if I'm going to be able to make it because I can't even like make myself competitive enough. Um, and when I went and talked to my first counselor, she I think she just uh, she had been in the business for such a long time that she. Uh, had this like set of tools that she could use and for the for specific kinds of students but when I presented myself as someone that she hadn't uh, worked with before uh, like the the student the student type she hadn't worked with before she wasn't really prepared and um, I don't know I think there was some like complacency but it was it was kind of strange hearing that yeah you know I think your only choice is community college when I had worked so hard Mm -hmm. Um, and I remember she brought in my dad with me because I wanted to make sure that she knew that I was serious about going to college. Um, and my dad drove me there and we had like, you know, this little thing about like, Oh, it's okay. You're going to make it like something's going to happen. But I think had my, had the first guidance counselor been more familiar with what it means to be undocumented and kind of like what some avenues are, it would have been easier from the beginning. Um, That granted my other guidance counselor did, uh, kind of like reach out to, I think the, um, the program he reached out to was the Hispanic College Fund at the time. It like, went through a couple of name changes. Um, I think now it's called the Virginia V-A-L-H-E-N, Valhen. Um, but the, they obviously had the resources to kind of like promote education, even for undocumented students. So just the fact that he went out of the way to look further than than he had before kind of like presented me with one opportunity with, which led to another and another and another so it kind of dominoed from there okay I mean I'm glad um, oh. oh no I was just gonna say that I guess that would also be my advice for uh, counselors um, and like kind of people working with with uh, like college college admissions college um, kind of like path, mm-hmm. uh, just reach out. And if you have a student that, you know, like, oh, you're not sure how they're going to do it, like give them some oppor- give them some ideas. Um, 
and like do some research to tell them to do some research. And I think there just needs to be like a positive attitude because it's a really stressful process. Mm -hmm. And when you have like a young person that comes to you for help, um, even if you don't know what to do, it's okay to say like, I don't know what to do, uh, but I'm going to, I'm going to help you do some research or like, here's some things that we could do together to like, see what's going on. Um, I think just like being more positive about the possibilities uh, would have been very helpful in my case. Oh yeah. Like I'm glad you're able to find those people who are willing to, to help you and like to send you those things because when you're, when you're talking, I just cannot imagine like my personal journey without like that's the things you, you mentioned, like social security, like I don't like, or I, I had to have a job in high school to help, you know, support my family. And that like I just I mean kudos to you like I, I'm I'm kind of just like baffled and in awe because like I I guess I've never never really had a conversation with someone who who went through the through this whole process um, and then now you're in medical school which is like crazy oh yeah <laughs> I think it's so crazy sometimes I can't believe it <laughs> um. So are there like any online resources that you found that to help um, students who are um, undocumented immigrants? Oh, yeah. Um, let's see. So the one that I heavily relied on is called PhD, uh, Pre-Health Dreamers, mm-hmm. and mainly my avenue because I was interested in medicine. And they also focus on like nursing, and I think they also do like public health, kind of like um, things that involve health. But now, um, so that was, that was one resource, but I think uh, there are a lot of resources mm-hmm. like it now because uh, there's just such a, people have been so brave, having come out, you know, coming out saying like, hey, I'm undocumented and this is my story enough times that people are aware now. And I would be very surprised if guidance counselors were not aware of what DACA was now mm-hmm. uh, that the whole, you know, there's such a public arena to talk about it. And that there seems to be like a general acceptance that, you know, we didn't have a choice coming to the country and we're kind of just stuck here (laughs) in some ways. Um, But that was a big resource. And I think high school students, I would encourage them to like look at QuestBridge um, because being documented is a is a huge uh, determinant in what you can and can't do and some of the opportunities you get. Uh, so I, I would look at that website because um, it really highlights who you are, um, or at least you can highlight who, who you, uh, the challenges you face and like how they have helped you become the person you are uh, through Westbridge. Um, I know there are also there are a lot of programs now, um, but, you know, I graduated a couple years ago, so I'm not 100 percent sure um, that they're still there. Um, I'm trying to think of other students that have gone to college with that. Um, nope, I think that's all I got right. I know there's like Posse, but I'm not sure if they work with undocumented students. Mm-hmm. Um, and I I think the Gates, the Melinda Gates Foundation, I think there's like the Gates Scholarship, but I'm, again, I'm not sure if they work with undocumented students. At the time I didn't apply because I think they didn't, mm-hmm. but I would be surprised. Uh, I, I would be surprised if there were not more resources now. <laughs> gotcha. Um, so yeah, if you're if you're listening right now, um, I'm as always. I'm gonna put the 
the links to every program, every website that we're talking about on our, my website. And I think this is very vital information. If you happen to be someone who is undocumented or you know someone who is like this, this could be really life changing because, you know, Karen, like you, you went from people saying, oh, just try for community college and then look, look where you are now, which is like, I don't know, like, I think what you said earlier about positivity, like keeping a positive mindset is being determined is so, so key to long-term success, I think. Oh, yeah. And I think like community college is a very valuable Mm -hmm. option also um, because it allows for people who, you know, wouldn't be able to afford the four-year college to do the two-year community college and then apply for a third year and fourth year at a fourth year institution and get that fourth year institution Mm -hmm. degree, uh, like a BS or a BA. Um, So I think it's a, it's a great opportunity. And one of my teachers in high school actually told me, uh, you know, I was kind of, we were all in the class and all of us were seniors getting ready to apply. And he said, some of you guys I know are like more than capable of going to these great schools and I know money will be an issue. And I just want to let you guys know that personally, I know many people who went to community college and, you know, ended up going to third year and fourth year institutions afterwards. And it worked mm-hmm. out great for them. But I think that just wasn't going to work for, for me. And I knew that, um, like, I, I wanted to go to school right away and I wanted to keep going and I wanted to, like, go to my dream school mm-hmm. right away. <laughs> I guess I was a little bit impatient <laughs> in some ways. Um, but... Uh, I, I would highlight that it's also a great resource for anybody that, you know, uh, would like to would like to pursue that path. Yeah. Um, I think you're doing you're doing great, great work already, but you, you decided to oh, enter the crazy world of medicine. Uh, <laughs> I did. <laughs> the high stress world of medicine. Um, so do you have any advice on handling stress like how do you how do you stay centered how do you stay motivated because you work like what from what I know of med school you work insane hours yeah I guess that's that's what we hear um but let's see um a couple things have gotten me through and I think you know when you're in when you're in elementary school everyone says that middle school is hard and when you're in middle school everyone says that high school Mm -hmm. is hard and that trend keeps on going throughout your life I think I haven't seen it stop um, and even, you know, your first year of medical school, everyone says, oh, it's so hard. And then the second year, everyone's like, oh, the second year is the worst. <laughs> um, but it's just, it, it is. And, but something that people have told me um, is that if you do a little bit a day and don't think about it as like this huge mountain that you have to climb all mm-hmm. at once, it's a lot easier. Um, so if you think, oh, you know, today I just have to, I just have to do this today and then tomorrow is another day. Um, that has helped me a lot because life can be pretty stressful and just taking it one bite at a time, you know, like you can, um, you can count to 10 a million times, but if you want to count to like, you know, X, Y, Z number, (laughs) it's going to take a long time if you think about it just that way. Mm -hmm. Um, I I would say take it one, one bite at a time and itemize your your ginormous goal into tiny little goals so that they can be digestible and easily managed. Um, there's a lot, especially I think when I went to college, I, I went to this great high school and I think they did a phenomenal job preparing me for, for college and like what it would be like and the environment and the workload, but it was not like college. Uh, college was a lot harder still. And I, I went to a very good school, I think for high school. Um, but 
I think what got me through was knowing that other people around me, you know, the upperclassmen were, were getting through and somehow they made it. So why couldn't mm-hmm. I? Um, and, you know, I had all this, these other challenges too, but once, once I overcame my one, you know, those challenges one at a time, it became easier to see myself going forward. Um, so I think just having, having the ability to itemize your goals is good. I talked at a high school recently about like, you know, being undocumented and what it's like applying for college and going to medical school and like what drove me to medicine. And one of the, one of the people there asked me, uh, do you ever feel like inadequate or that you can't make it? Or, you know, how does that feel? And I, I told them like, oh my gosh, you feel that every day. <laughs> there are always people that are smarter than you. There are always people that work harder than you. Uh, you know, they're, they're very creative people out there. I don't, I myself don't consider, don't consider myself a very creative person per se, but I do have other strengths, you know, and I think uh, also being able to notice what you have going on for you is good. Uh, don't just focus on the things that you don't have, but focus on the things that you do have and use those things to kind of push you forward and propel you. And it's okay to not feel adequate or, you know, feel like you're slacking once in a while that happens. Um, but just, you know, keep going. And I think your, your biggest enemy is also yourself because you're going to, you know, all your faults, you know, mm-hmm. you know, everything you're not good at. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. But if you focus positive. Yeah, yeah. No, I was gonna say like, yeah, like you're, everyone's their their heart, their toughest critic, you know. Um, and oh, yeah. it's it's so hard to like it, to kind of drown yourself out when you're being being really self conscious about something. Um, but yeah, like once you're able to, I, I guess, kind of push the those feelings and that voice away, um, then that's when you can do really really cool, exciting work. Oh, yeah. I guess um, also for high school students, I would encourage them to find Mm -hmm. mentors uh, who uh, they look up to and like somebody in a career field, maybe that they want to be like, uh, or, you know, you don't personally have to know them. I knew, um, I knew uh, there was this Times article when I was in high school that came out about this undocumented journalist. And I, I mean, I never met the person, I never talked to him, but his article uh, about you know how hard he worked and how he overcame the obstacle of being documented really pushed me forward and I think he was a big mentor uh, just through you know the media because I knew of him and I knew what kind of work he did um, so I would encourage high school students to kind of like find that someone that you mm-hmm. want to be like um, or like the work that you want to do one day uh, because having that end goal uh, it's kind of help you kind of get through the day day minutia <laughs> yeah um so mm-hmm. is there anything that you really want to say to a ra- like a random kid in, you know, California or New York or, you know, Florida? Oh, I'm actually in Florida right now. <laughs> <laughs> How funny. Um, let's see. Let me think. Um, I guess one of the things that I've seen uh, while uh, trying to pursue a career in medicine is that people are always saying, oh, you know, it's going to take so long. Like, are you sure you want to do that? You know, it's going to take years and years. And like in my head, I know it's going to take years. You know, I'm, I, I don't even know if I'll ever make it, you know, I might turn a hundred and still not practice. <laughs> we'll see. But uh, I think it's important to put into perspective. And this is something my mom said, um, 
you know, you're still going to get old. It doesn't matter what you do. If you're lucky, you're going to have another day and you might as well do something you like because you're, it's your life, you know? Um, and other people have opinions and they have, you know, opinions of you and opinions of your work of what you should be doing. But at the end of the day, it's, it's your life. And if you find happiness in, or if you find fulfillment and happiness in doing like medicine or being a lawyer or, you know, teaching, uh, it doesn't matter what other people say, as long as you are happy because the days are going to keep on going for you. Um, I would, I would pass that on to students uh, who sometimes I feel get a little bit um, dragged down by the amount of time it takes to pursue certain careers or what other people think about their careers. Okay. Yeah. I did have one more thing to add, actually. Uh, one thing that I've seen with, I guess, specifically being undocumented, and I know there are other, you know, there are other challenges also besides being undocumented, um, is that sometimes the path isn't there for you to follow. Um, Luckily for medicine, it's kind of like you go, you go to undergrad, then you apply for medical school, then you apply for residency, and then like you want a fellowship. So it's kind of like already preset. But I noticed that for me, at least, the being undocumented or having DACA is kind of like a little, you know, stop at every point. Like, has this path been made yet for undocumented students? And many, many times it hasn't. So I would encourage students to be advocates for themselves and don't be afraid to call an institution or a university or, you know, anybody that seems kind of like outreachable, like un untouchable at some points because they're so important and just call them and ask your questions because I mean, the worst they could say is no, or like, we don't know or, or something. Um, but I, many, many times I have gotten, you know, very surprising answers from uh, like, why isn't this a category when I'm, you know, clicking down, why isn't DACA a category when I'm going through this, like, click down menu on my application? Like, I'm not a citizen, I'm not a resident, and I don't want to lie in my application. So how can I, like, project who I am in your application? And, you know, from day one to day two, they already changed that because just nobody had noticed that that was mm -hmm. an issue. Um, I would say, like, don't be afraid to point those things out to these, like, uh, kind of like seemingly important places because sometimes they're people they're people behind behind those places and you know they make mistakes and they overlook things just like everyone else so don't be afraid to call and ask and, and be it you like your own self-advocate <laughs> I mean that is good advice and I think just in general people need to need to do that more um because like you said the, like when you ask the worst they can say is no um and then you know mm -hmm. just keep it moving um oh yeah yeah so yeah, Karen, thank you so much again <laughs> for um thank you for joining me this week. Um it's been it's been really nice talking with you and I felt you know, my like my brain grew more because I learned more about like a little bit of what undocumented immigrant students go through. Um and for the listeners, as always, I'll put the show notes on my blog and on my Facebook page, notes from the Ivy League and all of my other social media profiles. And uh, thank you for listening.